The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. To the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, the Power of Water. Seven years ago, I decided that when I was asked if I'd like to have my own radio talk show, and I thought, yes, I can call it the Power of Water and began a full campaign and mission to educate worldwide the issues and the concerns that I have and others have with fresh water and the crisis we're in. And the atmosphere. You cannot discuss fresh water on the surface of the earth without understanding the water vapor in the air called atmosphere. And the atmosphere, they influence each other. Fresh water on the surface of the earth influences the atmosphere. The atmosphere, fresh water vapor influences those rivers. And guess what? Guess what influences climate change? The fresh water on the surface of the earth influencing the atmosphere's water vapor and the water vapor in the atmosphere in the, lev- in the, in the that air we're breathing all the way to the moon, the stars, and the rainbow is the atmosphere that is influencing, yes, your climate change. It's, it, it, we must be better educators. We're not educating people correctly. And this, we've got to start using common sense. Now, your life, your health issues, uh, life on Earth has become quite an excitement to understand how we live, how that human organism lives with the organism of the water and the atmosphere and other life on Earth. How do we live together with that operating organism of life? And I've said this, that your body is water. You're a walking sponge. So therefore, of course, you must, with those trillions of cells in the body and the skin being 80 to 90% water, uh, pardon me, 70 to 75% water. The uh, uh, body is 80 and better water. The brain is 80 to 85% water. Did you know your teeth are 8 to 10% water? Your lungs, 75 to 80% water. Your heart, 75 to 80% water. Your bones, 20 to 25% water. Your kidneys, 80 to 85% water. Your blood is 50% water. Your muscles that keep all of this together without sagging down the stairway is 70 to 75% water. Your liver, 70 to 75% water. And the shocking part of all of this is people don't realize also the surface of your eyes is 99% water. What causes vision impairment? 
dehydration, water loss of each individual eye, no two people have the same eyes from birth and fingerprints and more, we're all dehydrating body water loss differently. Now, I'm going to start each week, keep, I'm going to keep this up. When I'm done, you're going to eventually know by heart how much water is in your body. And always remember that skin, 70 to 75% water, is no different than the skin, the surface of the planet. That called soil, that surface, is protecting the, the planet like your skin is protecting your life. Now, when that baby is born and enters into that delivery moment, at that second, that baby comes into the atmosphere to be kept alive by the atmosphere of water vapor. That's how it keeps you alive. It keeps you detoxified. It keeps you agile. It keeps you flexible. It gives you opportunities to, for the body to live with its water internally as a recycling. The body, the atmosphere on the outside, the body water on the inside, you're recycling. A constant recycling. Yes, you must have five things that are vital to your life every day. Every day. One, you must learn how to breathe. In and out with your breath. In and out. Like the ocean is breathing with the tide coming in, the tide coming out. You must learn how to breathe correctly with that water vapor, that atmosphere. Very pri- That's number one. Number one. Number two, you must learn to drink eight to ten glasses of water a day to replenish this cycle and drink those glasses all at once. Dr. Effie Chow, who we've had on here many times, has said, learn how to breathe, but you've also got to learn to drink water and have each glass, one full glass at a time. Yes, it's important. She even, and I, I even drink two glasses at a time. Yes, I need to go to the bathroom more often, but that's okay. That's keeping that toxin, all that bacteria moving out of us, keeping that recycling going. Number three, your diet is very vital. Of course your diet is vital because you must learn to eat the fresh dark green vegetables and the fresh fruits and all of this proper nutrition to keep this recycling moving in the body so you're not dehydrating too quickly and you're not backing up toxin in the body so that you, can't, you can stay flexible and healthier and detoxified. Number four, you must learn to exercise moderately. If you love sports and you're an athlete for professional reasons or whatever, don't, you can have days you have to train. But learn when you've been training, you've been dehydrating more, what your secret would be breathing correctly. Number two, proper water intake. And then number three would be the proper nutrition. The last one would be, would be, and once you learned how to moderately exercise and work with the rest of the nutrients that you need to do when you're recycling is sleep. We don't expect your body to know how to do it. You learn how to sleep for you. Learn to read yourself so that when you go to bed at night, you can do what Earth's trying to do. Go to sleep. Take a rejuvenation. Recycle yourself so that you can learn to sleep properly and get the proper amount of sleep. Each week I have had many times I discuss the population. I'm going to start doing this one. The babies that were born throughout the world today, 
were 130,840 babies. That's a brand new life to do all those things I just discussed. And the planet, up to this year, has been 103,337, pardon me, 103,337,346 babies born up to date this year, going to be living on this planet with all of us. And those babies need to be healthy, but you know what all the, what the baby needs and you need? Fresh water on the surface of the earth to be able to consume and drink properly. The water. You need to flush that toilet. You need to take a shower. You need to do laundry. You need, there's many things that we do with that fresh water. We drink and I'm saying drink 8 to 10 glasses of water, and look what's happening in other countries of the world where they're not even getting it. But I've got to tell you one that just, I could just startled. Here in the United States, there was a grandmother outside in, in an area of, uh, out, out here in this country, in, in, in Tulare County community. That woman was, has been without water, for four, running water for four months. In Porterville, California, she has been without water here in the United States for four months. What do you do when you don't have water? You're not flushing the toilet. You're not doing any of the things you need to do with water. And then she has to go buy her bottled water to drink. Um, The water to drink is vital so that you can be able to nourish yourself, Keep yourself healthy, not dehydrate to death. The other one is the children are going to start a school with dirty clothes because many of them didn't have the ability to go off to other communities to do their laundry. So we found ourselves here not being able to, when you're looking at fresh water on the planet Earth, we were having a very difficult time to think, my gosh, where on earth are we not going to be affected by not having enough fresh water? In the, that's in the United States, this one. The other one is in the Middle East. The crisis is out of control. It has been coming on for years. There have been water wars between the countries and Middle East over in Yemen with other tribes and other tribal problems. The water has been a crisis coming on forever, for, uh, for many, many decades. There is a new law in California amid the drought of California's out of control with problems of water. And as I've said to all of you, that... In California, the former Governor Brown, he and his legislature said, we don't want Californians to make mistakes and, and, and deplete their water. We're going to build those canals to come through California so there will be never a mistake. They'll have the water. Well, guess what they did? They shut off the canals, and those canals of water that were coming over the top of those agricultural uh, uh, in those communities and surfacing that soil, the water would not only be nourishing the agriculture, which was their number one economy, maybe until now, 
because they're not feeding those crops and there's no more crops all over the, uh, you know, throughout California the way there used to be. But that water would come and irrigate the surface of the soil and the surface of the soil was nourishing and that water would then go down into the aquifers to keep the aquifers full so the aquifers would be nourished in the seasons they needed to be feeding the uh, uh, irrigating those agricultural fields. Now, stop and think about common sense. There's waters below the earth called aquifers. It's been there for billions of years. In fact, I was reading an article that our water was here on earth before the sun shone on us. So therefore, what we were learning as a planet is to recycle, continually keep a recycling with the water on the surface, the water below the surface, and the atmosphere of water. Then life began. In California, you want to hear the newest one? I think it's going to personally be a big mistake. I'll say it myself. New California law will limit groundwater pumping for first time. Guess what? Those aquifers are going to be diminishing. They're going to lose. That is not the right way to go. They're not recycling the way they should. That's my research results. They are going to do it again. They're making mistakes. They've got a law now that will limit groundwater pumping for the first time. They're not going to be able to recycle. And where are they going to get the water for people to live? In the state of California. What a postage child of, of mistakes, I truly believe. They're not studying this enough. Now, in other parts of the world, throughout Africa, they're having trouble, serious trouble. And there's a, we've got to stop and get serious with common sense with what is happening. So here we are today with the Power of Water radio talk show discussing the world out there with you to come to the show and listen to us discuss with people who have been studying this, who have been, their goals and their lives and, and their professional lives have been involved in scientific study and research and technology. The technology of what we must learn to do on this planet Earth is maybe use Singapore as a poster child a poster child, so that they're now recycling water every day. They now are dependent on just themselves. They are so excited about the freshness, the cleanliness, and what's available for their culture. They may be the only ones left on earth someday if we haven't learned to study with them. And that's what this show is all about, is learning to study what we need to do with fresh water, on the surface, how do we bring more fresh water to the surface of, the, of our planet, healthy water, to be able to be influence the fresh water, the, the water vapor in the atmosphere. That atmosphere then keeps you healthy, keeps you alive. Then that fresh water in the atmosphere, fresh water on the surface of the earth, has an influence on, yes, the common sense, of course, the, uh, the climate change. What a common sense recycling plan. Earth did it. What are people out there trying to do with climate change? I haven't figured it out yet. It doesn't make common sense. 
I know they're bringing in billions of dollars to support this uh, way to go out and, and, and concentrate on climate change and get us all educated, but the education to me is backwards. They should be concerning themselves with those billions of dollars that they're feeding into those foundations and those grants and getting people for free to come and demonstrate in those climate change activities. But if we got all of those people involved and all that money behind fresh water, don't you think that we'd be better off with the atmosphere and what is happening to the atmosphere on the, with the planet Earth? And then maybe the climate would change would not be as extreme because it does take the atmosphere's water to influence the, uh, the climate. That's common sense. That's my thought, and we have lots of people who agree with me. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed, and I guess our guest today is not on the line yet. And I think what we might do is have a shorter show today. Um, I don't know how we're going to do this, but our guest has not come on yet. And, and um, we'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist. Did you know your eyes are 99% water? We need to um, every day be understanding that atmosphere with your eyes, if it's depleting and you're causing, it's causing your eyes to be very dry, and eye, dry eye is happening. The, um, your indoor conditions are, are insulated windows and walls. What do insulated windows and walls do for your eyes and your skin? Causes a depletion of water, moisture, dehydration. So therefore, you need supplements. You need to drink the water, but you also need a supplement of the eyes to replenish the lost moisture to the eyes to pre- help prevent, hopefully, in time. If you use it often enough, dry eye. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist. And we're hopefully our guest, Fred Pierce, will be on the line with us. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleiner Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleiner Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. All right, you're with us. I am. 
Well, thank you. Uh, Fred sure. Pierce, who's coming out of London, is not available today. We have not heard what has happened. And I think it's because we were given the wrong phone number. But again, thank you for doing this at the last minute. And I want to tell the audience, and Art Bernstein has been with um, our company as a full-time writer for over 16 years. But his background, he's an uh, author of books, Art Bernstein Hiking Books. And Art has been walking the trails of Oregon and Washington and Northern California for years. His books are very, very well known uh, for hiking and understanding the forests and the trails and and the water tributaries and the concern. Uh, what, he, what his writings are unbelievable. I I know no into people here in Oregon and Washington and California who know Art, but they if they're into the forest, into nature, into hiking. Um, Art, thank you for doing yeah. this at the last minute. Yeah, um, I was just listening to your show. Yeah. Uh, and I had to turn my radio off in order to be this honest. This thing can happen, <laughs> and, I, and he's probably out there wondering what happened to us. But yeah. back to you and I this morning. Um, and it's like I said to the audience, you've been with me for 16 years, and uh, you're my writer. And, um, and this, we were Poor talking math. this morning about... What is going? Tell us about your hike, and we were re, uh, evaluating and analyzing what is happening to the problems of our planet, and 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 in an area of or, or Oregon and Northern California where we have these trees that are growing all the way to the to the to the skies, and and beautiful forests that are yes we had some fires, uh, but the beautiful forests and the water tributaries and. And nature's wonderland of 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 nature, and you t- tell tell the audience about your hike this weekend, what you know, observed. Uh, yeah, I'm more interested in the the South Fork of the Sacramento River, which I. Uh, and explain what the Sacramento River is at. Sacramento River is the longest river in California. It's the major river. It's the river that uh, Shasta Dam and you know, a bunch of oh, Lake, uh, Lake Oroville and all these huge reservoirs all feed the Sacramento River. And the Northern the California River area. Sacramento River the Sacramento and then part of the San Joaquin Valley. And mm-hmm. this is the, the, the breadbasket of America. Mm-hmm. This is the most productive agricultural land, at least in the United States. Mm-hmm. The South Fork of the Sacramento River comes out of uh, a small range near the Trinity Alps called the, the Eddy Mountains, E-D-D-Y. Uh, they're 9,000 feet high. They're right ne- they look tiny because they're right next to Mount Shasta, which is 14,000 feet high. But the Eddy Range is 9,000 feet high. It's a pretty substantial range. And... The South Fork of the Sacramento, there's a dirt road that runs up, but it's a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous canyon. There's lots of trailheads and lots of lakes. And I've been living in this area 40 years, and when I was up there three weeks ago, the South Fork of the Sacramento River was bone dry. Not My one goodness. single drop of water in the river. Uh, and I was just, just horrified. Yeah. The two lakes at the headwaters were down, but they had water in them. Uh, they were down mm-hmm. considerably, mm-hmm. but they still had water. But the, the the river was bone dry, not a drop in it. Mm. And I've been finding this. 
this past weekend, we were we visited Mount. My wife and I visited Mount Lassen. Um, now, Mount Lassen. Uh, t- t- tell the audience worldwide where Mount Lassen's located. Mount Lassen is in Northeast California. It's a national park. Um, it was the last volcano to erupt on the U.S. mainland before Mount St. Helens. Uh, it erupted from 1914 to 1917, and there's uh, lots of interesting stuff. There's a 10,000-foot high mountain that you can hike to the top of fairly easily. There's a uh, a little basin called Bumpus Hell that's sort of like Yellowstone. It's got geysers and bubbling springs and steam vents and hot water and stuff. And uh, it's, it's one of my favorite places. How was the water sources there? Uh, okay, well, there's a spot just south of the summit uh, that you can drive to. It's near the Bumpus Hell Trailhead. It's called Lake Helen. Mm-hmm. The Little Lake Helen Basin is supposed to be the single snowiest spot in California. Gets more snow than any other place. And uh, the lake level was way down. Still a gorgeous lake, and it's still worth visiting. But you know, the lake level was probably the lake capacity was down thirty or forty percent. Now, are you really? Was it? Excuse me, is that a spring-fed lake, or does it depend upon the snow snow melt? Snow melt. Snow melt. Okay. Just south of uh, of Lake. Of, of of Lassen is a very large natural lake called Lake Almanor. Um and it's like you know I have no idea what the size is you know it's like thousands and thousands and thousands of acres you know it's like uh, five miles wide and five you know uh, it's kind of heart shaped mm-hmm. it's very very large it's very popular and at the moment, it's about 50% of its uh, usual size. Hmm. Hmm. So when you're, uh, when you're out there with the hikes, and, you're, and you've been hiking for years yeah. and writing these books, when you were writing your books, I've never asked you, did you, did you ever, ever concentrate on a lot of the water reporting in your books other than just terrain and, and the hiking experience itself? Did you ever get into... Yes, and... Oh, years ago, well, there was a big, there was a, like an eight-year extended drought in the 1970s where everything mm-hmm. dried up and all the springs went away and mm-hmm. lots of bug infestations in the forest and uh, lots of trees falling over and... Um, it was sort of a, and then it got better. Uh, in, in the 80s, all this drought went away, and then it got better, and then uh, the last few years, it sort of started up again. Uh, it never got back to where it was in the 70s when, you know, when I first mm-hmm. moved here. And, you know, mm-hmm. We used to get a foot of snow every couple of years in mm-hmm. the, the valleys, and uh, mm-hmm. it would go below freezing. Last winter was the first time it was below freezing in, uh, I don't know, what, 20 years? I mean, below below zero. I mean, below freezing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? 
Well, back to the your uh, as long as you've been here, those yeah. you've noticed uh, those changes going. And the first thing I think about with what I've studied, and of course you and I've been you've been here full time with us for 16 years, and we've been studying and we've been writing this up. And and the, and when I look back on uh, climate change, the word climate change is what you're describing to me. Is that climate had changed along yeah. the way? And well, way back cycles. in the 70s, did you n- hear much about California's pollution, or did you hear about California's pollution? No, in the 70s, they were talking days? about global cooling. So. Oh, in those days, it was global cooling. Yeah. They had this, some theory, I forget what uh, And by the way, audience, Art has a, a degree in anthropology and in forestry, so he has the right to, not right, but he, he knows how to evaluate and analyze with what's yeah, being written, what is being said, and what he's learned. Um, so here we are today. Now, Art, you and I have talked about this, and, and I'd like this show to sound like we're two uh, lab technicians standing there evaluating um, research and science. I, I've said this over and over. I'm very disturbed with what happened at the United Nations a week ago when they kept brought up climate change. I'm concerned they're not discussing freshwater crisis as the number one worldwide United Nations concern. It should be the number one concern. Yeah, it's it's harming more people, and they're interrelated. You You can't separate them. Uh, now explain that to the audience what you just said to us. There is a global freshwater crisis. I, I read a statistic today that if you put all the world's water in a five-gallon jug, three teaspoons would be drinkable. Um, and the water is, is more polluted. Uh, part of it's man-caused, although well, part of it isn't. A lot of it is. Uh, the water in the air is polluted. A lot of that's man-caused, but a lot of it isn't. And uh, people just don't grasp the impact of the hydrologic cycle on on global warming. And, and you know, I will blame the it, United you can't Nations. Them. I'll say something. The United Nations has not been using common sense to educate yeah. the world audience that does love their planet. They do love their lives to live with the nature of wherever they're at. They love their communities. They're passionate about nature and where they're coming from with their life yeah, yeah. and the families. They're breathing it all, but they need those people that are in those positions, like at the United Nations, they need better education. Do you agree with your background? Do you agree with me or not? Yeah, the UN, their heart's in the right place. You know, I mean, in 2010, they declared water access and sanitary and sufficient water as a basic human right. And this is a good thing. Um, but they're a little slow, and you know, they're viewing it as a political thing. There we go. Now, stop there for a second, Art. You've got the background to say that uh, legitimately. Why are you saying, why was the word political being used by your description? The word political. Because um, 
their view that uh, um, oh, how can I say this? They're not viewing water as a part of an entire whole ecosystem that affects climate change and it affects like everything else. Um, it affects all aspects of the natural environment and it affects life. Uh, political means uh, you know you can just pass a law and then it's solved. There we go. There you know, right you know, there. The reason uh, it's a problem is because people are ticked off. Stop right yeah. there for a second, just for a second. They can pass a new legal regulation and postage stamp it. Yeah. And think that that's going to do it. Then they can also begin to bring in millions, if not billions, of dollars with the contributions from foundations and grants and contributions for the postage stamp. But they're not going to solve it because they didn't go after the main problem is the planet's global fresh water crisis. They don't have enough, we do not have enough fresh water on the surface as we once did because they've let that deplete. They haven't been developing new technology like Singapore has to recycle. They're taking a poacher stamp direction, but it is raising billions of dollars, which is the political side of it all. Now, did I describe that right to you, uh, to you, Art? Did that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because politics... Of course, we, we agree on a lot of this. Well, but politics today, which all, a lot of us are agreeing, are taking over the long-term benefit of solving something. Politics are short-term emotions. People who gain a lot of money in their pocket, politically, by getting into the fraternity of ideology, let's say, of being politically working with a movement where, where it doesn't solve the long term, it just yeah. brings in lots of money. But if I may say, uh, in my many years of association with you, you uh, this global water crisis um, that we're experiencing, um, there's two aspects. You know, I said, well, why don't you know, governments all get together and they can solve it? And you said, yes, they can. But um, it's also possible for individuals to solve it for themselves. I think, personally, I've been evaluating this for many dry, years. Keep their own skin dry, keep their own body healthy. Well, this is where I come from. Eventually, it's like what's happening out there. The people who are assisting... Yeah, the foundations and all these grants and all those political movements yeah. are going to one day have no water in their own tap. Right. And when they're affected, how are they going to help somebody else? Right. Then it's every man for himself. It, then it's every man for what is happening in other countries, in Africa, yeah. the Middle East, and other countries. Yeah. Every man for themselves and female and child. But you're and also looking about, at it. From that aspect, and I appreciate oh, that. Oh, and, and and I wonder if they would look up at the sky are, and, and, and think, well, this is a climate change problem. Survive. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm really disturbed with. We need to get to uh, bring to attention. I believe better education. We need people to start using common sense. This is not a climate change. This is a freshwater crisis that affects this atmosphere of the, of the air we're breathing, that water vapor. And those two relate to each other that relate to the climate. So, like you said, you oh, yeah. were correct. 
it's yes, there's some man-made challenges in there, but there's a lot of other challenges going on that we haven't developed man-made technology to protect the water, some of the water cycles to make sure there's enough fresh water on the surface of the earth to influence the atmosphere, which is water. We're swimming in atmosphere, which is water that keeps us alive, and that water influences the atmosphere for climate. Yeah, climate. I like what you were you saying know. earlier, though. Uh, you, know, you can pass a law against pumping groundwater, and you know that's probably going to help. But you can also pump the groundwater and then put it back the same condition you found it. There's ways to do it. There's yeah. ways to recycle. Uh, this is not beyond our capability. You know, we have the ability to do that, and that makes a lot more sense because then you can use it for anything you want as long as you put it back. It's recycling. It's recycling. Yeah. Like Singapore needs to teach us a lot. Yeah, Exactly. And your, so, your description, yeah, I, every I, man I like for themselves, you know, that is exactly the planet, is what we're happening. Yes, these billions of dollars are coming through to feed a postage stamp problem where a lot of people are getting money in their pockets. Oh, yes, it's putting a lot of people to, to work because some, a lot of these things are uh, uh, organizations that are nonprofit that are out there feeding all of these challenges to a postage stamp uh, trying to solve it. But if they start out putting all of that energy and foundation money into new jobs, into water, fresh water, and new technology, new entrepreneurs, new inventions, then all of a sudden our, our recycling of what the planet has been doing for us becomes common sense. Better yeah, it'll education. take care of itself. Pardon? I said, and it would all take care of itself. It began to recycle itself. Yeah, yeah. Now, so, when you were out hiking, no, a, uh, were you startled that some of those area, those uh, lakes were that dry? Uh, Lake Eleanor particularly startled me. Uh, Lake Shasta, I'm used to. Uh, goes dry frequently. What interests me is uh, in the northeast, northwest corner of the Sky Lakes Wilderness, there's a little green grassy meadow. And at the edge of the meadow are baby trees. And we get a few wet years. There's more baby trees. The meadow, they encroach the side of the meadow. The meadow gets smaller. You get a few dry years, all the little baby trees dry and fall, dry up and die, the meadow gets larger. And uh, just the, the, the cycle of how the, uh, this little meadow reacts to uh, changes in climate it just like fascinates me. If we had a few, if we had, uh, you know, like 30 or 40 years of uh, lots of rain, the meadow would be gone. And if we had uh, 30, 40 years of uh, Low rainfall, the meadow would get much larger. Hmm. And all the uh, trees on the side would start dying. It's interesting. Now, in hiking in Oregon, let's go into Oregon, which is known to be the wonderland of the world. It's so beautiful, especially southern Oregon. Because it's this meadow so is about 80 feet from the state line, by the way, but it's in California. Now, oh, okay. But here in Oregon, in southern Oregon, it's a plushness of a nature's wonderland, just plush. What have you been noticing 
that is happening to the dehydrate. By the way, audience, I don't call it drought. I call earth dehydrates to water loss to earth because we're not figuring it out. And uh, I think a lot of that is man-made uh, because we're not thinking it out. We're not figuring out new technology, new thoughts, how to, to make sure that we have enough fresh water and the earth has enough fresh water on top of the earth and below the earth. But, Art, what have you noticed in um, Oregon that was not sticking out at you to see the dehydration effects, the drying effects of our, our nature here? Oh, well, noticed? in Oregon we have what they call the temperate rainforests. Uh, there's so much rain in some areas right along the coast that you know, I have huge old-growth rainforests, and I don't know if they're being affected, but what I am noticing is that inland there's a lot more really dry areas than you would think. You know, you drive through these big old forests, but then uh, you come to a serpentine area and it's all dry, or you know, you come to a big dry meadow, and you, know, you don't have to go too far inland. And I'll say you can get too much rain. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that one spot in uh, Oregon is Port Orford? Yeah. How much rain do you think the average get a year on the Oregon coast? 150 inches. 50 inches? Up to 300 inches. Oh, 300 inches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have what kind of forest there? There's a unbelievable trees. Right on yeah, the ocean. they have uh, oh, some of the biggest uh, trees on earth, and they're not redwoods. They're Douglas firs, and they're Sitka spruce. And they're, now, you've, you've got a background. They, they nearly have, match the redwoods in size. Yeah, you've got a background to analyze this for us. Why is it that Port Orford on the ocean in northern Oregon there has this happen, and above, above them uh, going north is not the same, going south is not the same, they have that distinct difference. Why? Um, good question. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that that's true. That's just, you know, it's, uh, they have more rain than anybody else. I think the most rain is the, uh, the Washington coast. Mm-hmm. And then the northern Oregon coast gets a lot of rain. But there's uh, more rain than Oregon's getting on a w- Washington coast? State of Washington? Yeah, the, uh, what is that, the Queets and the whole uh, river. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get, you know, this is true rainforest. You know, if you've ever been up there, it's amazing. I'm going to, uh, let's go on a but trip it's on also that it's dry, it's dry in the summer. Just let's like go on here. a trip on that one. Don't move on that rains. one. Where does that headwater come from that you just described? Where does that headwater, Olympic, that water come The Olympic Mountains. Okay, the Olympic Mountains. Where does the Olympic Mountains get their influence of waters from? Rain off the Pacific Ocean, the prevailing winds. Any, any, any influence east. from Canada? Pardon? Any influence no, from Canada? Well, Canada, uh, some of our weather, our cold weather in the winter comes down from Alaska across Canada. Um, a lot of the weather in the central United States comes from Canada, comes down from Canada. Um, weather and, rarely and, and, and wait, and now, goes let's straight back across. Up for a second. Let's back up for a second. In, in Canada, you and I were just talking about this before the show. Compared to the rest of the world, 
the resource of fresh water, where does Canada stand? Where where are they on the on, on the on on the potent bowl? I don't know where they were, but uh, you always read that Canada has twenty percent of the world's fresh water, mm-hmm. and they're recently saying that uh, the actual number is six percent, and most of that is in areas where nobody lives uh, flowing into the Arctic Ocean or Hudson Bay. Mm-hmm. So most of that uh, huge amounts of fresh water is unobtainable. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it, uh, cities of Toronto and Vancouver and Winnipeg mm-hmm. uh, drink it all up. Now over in the oh. Quebec area, in there, that one area, they have an enormous abundance amount of water. I think... I, somebody, when I had him on the show, said they have more water in that area than almost anywhere in the world, in that one area. Now, I'm just repeating what somebody said. I never yeah, went there's to an underground that. river. It takes a million years for the water to flow underground from the Laurentian Highlands to uh, an underground river that flows into Lake Ontario at Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's lots of uh, the, the Laurentian Shields uh, accumulates a lot of water. Now that you're from on Hudson the underground Bay river, and from the melting ice age, and, and, and you mentioned uh, underground river. Explain to the audience those underground rivers. You have the qualifications to describe that. Yeah, they don't move very fast. Uh, How much do you think is there through under Earth? Oh my God! I don't know lots. Um, I don't know. I mean, you have to think of water. It's not just on the surface; it's underground and it's in the right. air. You know, and it uh, it saturates everything. You know, some places are wetter and some places are less wet, but mm-hmm. water saturates uh, everything. And a lot of it uh, originated in the rock. So. Mm-hmm. There was hydrogen and oxygen in the rocks, and it reacts to, you know, and it forms water. And if there's no gravity and no atmosphere, then the water floats off into space. Yeah, that water in the atmosphere is what's intrigued me, that we've left that one behind. Um, On Mars, when water comes out of the rock, you know, just floats up into the air like it, just like it does here, water vapor. Mm-hmm. And then, but in Mars, it keeps on going because mm-hmm. there's not a layer in the atmosphere that holds it, you know, makes it accumulate into clouds and then fall back down to Earth. I have a and question for you. There's where I think they're misunderstanding the education to climate change, that I'm a believer with my research and others agree with me that that fresh water has an enormous influence on the surface of the Earth. And you were just describing it about up in the Canadian uh, country of Canada. Then you came down into the Pacific Ocean area of the west coast of of the United States where Washington's at, describing the water. And then uh, as you're describing it, we were talking about climate, the rains, which is a climate, and the influence of that climate. See, there's a recycling going on there. That Earth is doing, there is. because it has the ability, because of the abund- the fresh water that's available, to be able to recycle the climate. 
Yeah, and most and most of the time the water comes back cleaner than it was. Uh, you know, they have problems with acid rain in the, in the east, but for the most part, the hydrological system also cleans the water. And the drink, air. You can drink rainwater. Right. You, you cannot necessarily drink right. river water or lake water or groundwater, but you can drink. Do you think that Do you think that research could be uh, discovering in time that? If you have enough fresh water on the surface of the earth, that that would filter the polluted air somewhat to help keep that site recycling, to help the polluted air to where it's not as polluted, and that it's recycling itself back up into that other layer above us in the atmosphere that the CERN group discovered? Uh, I Is don't really know, but you know, I also asked a question in a recent article. Um, Carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas. It's the second, the most important and common greenhouse gas is water vapor. And the question is, uh, is part of the reason that the carbon dioxide is increasing in the atmosphere, if it is, um, because the water vapor is decreasing? And if you increase the water vapor, will that keep the carbon dioxide under control? Because too much carbon dioxide is toxic. Too much water vapor is not toxic. And the greenhouse effect is important because it you know, holds the water in and keeps, uh, keeps us uh, you know, from drying up the sun. I'm going to ask you something, and this is not probably your forte, but the temperature of what is happening here, that going from the earth, we have these seasons, and the and earth's recycling of the seasons, and the temperatures do change with those seasons, which is changing the temperature of the atmosphere along with the change. Do you think that temperature of the atmosphere has a lot, any influence on what is happening with the influence of fresh water, the lack of fresh water on the surface of the globe, and the relationship I'm sure it does. to... Theoretically, the warmer the temper, warm air can hold more water than, than cool air. Right, exactly. So, and that's what uh, China's finding out with their pollution. Yeah. The pollution is, is uh, much more unhealthy during the colder climates. That, uh, because yeah. It, that, yes, right. Because, because it's sitting a threshold there. Very exactly. little water in the air to begin with. Right. Uh, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you tell Leonardo DiCaprio if he was on your show? Oh, that's a good one. Well, when he was before the United Nations, like the President of the United States, I wish they had mentioned uh, the water crisis, which is keeping people alive or death. And yeah. not bring up the climate change. I think climate change would be a number two. Freshwater crisis is killing people. Those thousands of children a day, that's an easy one to answer. Thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah it, um, it, it's sad. But I do realize you mentioned that word political. Isn't it sad that people's lives are because of political politics and people's emotions for what they want for themselves personally and not what's best for all the planet and for everyone. 
You know, at, at the end of this show, yeah. every year, oh, every yeah. day, I mean, I've said for years, is Earth, what Earth is trying to say to us. And Earth has an, it does say something to us if we're willing to listen and not be political. Earth is not political. Earth no. is nature. <laughs> Earth is natural, and the nature of our, and we're nature too, uh, that beautiful baby being born into that delivery at that moment was brought here as a gift yeah, to the nature of our life. lives, and, and it lives on water, and the water that it lives on, it, it ha- must have water. And at that moment, the baby begins a dehydration, living with the dehydration of the planet Earth. But the atmosphere is its greatest influence for that baby to live. How do we fight diseases? It's not the climate change. It's the fresh water. It's water. Yeah, dehydration. And what causes the diseases in these countries around the world is bad, dirty water with bacteria and disease. But what causes us as people internally to get disease is bad water internally being affected by bacteria and toxin. I call it crab. It's manure because it grabs onto each cell, causes a heat, and it cannot escape through the skin unless everything is just right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But uh, we only have... Two minutes left. What do you think is a subject you... I'd like to ask you what subject you'd like to mention. Oh, we wanted to talk about the book. Okay, you can bring up your new book. Okay, so you're new book, have you on uh, Hiking co-author Southern Oregon, co-author, uh, co-author Zachary Ness, who is the... Uh, he's absolutely wonderful. He's 30 years old, and I'm much older than that. And he's going to be taking uh, the Falcon Guide series that I've been writing over for me. He's a uh, reporter for the Salem Statesman Journal, and he does uh, hiking and outdoors articles that get picked up all over the country and all over the state, and he's wonderful. And he's here in Oregon. You're here in Oregon. Yeah, he, he lives in Salem. I live in uh, Gold Hill, which is near Medford. Mm-hmm. Um, a new book, uh, again, Falcon Guides. It's the biggest publisher of outdoors books, and it's... Uh, Idaho line to the Pacific Ocean and Southern Oregon and a little bit into California. Um, Falcon Guides is now doing their books full color inside and out. Mm-hmm. And they're just gorgeous. We're going Full-in to have, we're chapter. out of time, but we are going to have you and Zach on the show and let us right. tell us, you're going to be telling us about that book. That is okay, so I'm beautiful. jumping the gun on the book. It is okay. a beautiful book, audience. It, it is. It's gorgeous. Thank well, thank you for, you for giving us your assistance today. I think it was a good show, and I can say, wow, I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, thank so you for being I always with enjoy us. talking to you. Enjoyed, and it, it just carried on the conversation we had before uh, this morning when we were talking before yeah. Uh, yeah. the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Okay. You, you have a nice day, and I will be talking to you soon. Okay, bye. Thank you. Well, audience, I was sorry that Fred Pierce, who's a freelance author and journalist, um, is not, was not with us, but I want you to embrace your life every second of your life, but also embrace, embrace somebody else's. Don't make it political. Just do it for your own genuine concerns for life. But Earth whispers something to us. Listen closely to Earth whisper. Never say goodbye. Don't take it all with you. 
leave something behind for all those generations of those children to come, to know that you cared. I want to thank you for listening. You have a nice day, and you be well. And always think of the power of water. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Oh,